8.03 and continuing to different parts of the world, taking different approaches to COVID-19, with some starting to ease lockdowns or those social distancing guidelines, others deciding to stay tough as far away as early June. Some are trying to adapt to whatever new normal they're in, others are fighting by protesting. We've seen a lot of attention on several US states in that regard, but a recent Harvard study forecasts that some form of intermittent social distancing may be in place as I mentioned briefly before, until 2022. And we have Christine Tedihanto, PhD candidate in population health sciences and epidemiology at Harvard University, who took part in the study on the line. Good morning to you from Seoul. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Can you begin by giving us an idea of exactly how the US is currently being affected? I know it's very broad strokes, given the differences from state to state. But how would you summarize the situation? I mean, I I think in general what we're seeing is that the U.S. is a huge and highly variable country, and we are seeing a pattern of very localized outbreaks. So, for example, we see this huge outbreak in New York as well as in other places across the U.S. Um, I think that um, in many places those huge outbreaks are hopefully Um, showing some signs of at least leveling off. Um, And I think this is kind of the stage that we're at. So this study that you're involved with suggests intermittent social distancing might be necessary until 2022. This is not the sort of thing that anybody wants to hear. And and we've been getting things kind of drip fed to us, like two more weeks of distancing, two more weeks of this Mm -hmm. or that, which is much easier for people to swallow. But if no vaccine or pharmaceutical treatments prove to be effective in the meantime, can you elaborate on on what the outcome would most likely be? Sure. So I think um, just to give a little bit more background on the study and how we looked at intermittent social distancing in our modeling analysis, what we did was we modeled a scenario where social distancing, um, very these broad stringent measures that in many places are referred to as lockdowns, would be turned on and off at uh, intermittent periods in order to maintain the healthcare system. So when we see cases rise in a way that could overwhelm healthcare capacity, what we do is we turn back on the social distancing measures. When we see cases fall again, then we can um, you know, go ahead and let off some of those social distancing measures. So that's what we model um, in our paper. I think what we're more likely to see as we begin to reopen these lockdowns in many places is that we gradually um, we gradually lift these measures over time. And so what I think that means is that, um, you know, in many places when we begin to see a decline in cases, we can begin to let off, you know, one or two of the social distancing measures, whether that be, um, you know, um, I think allowing essential surgeries again or slowly lifting different measures. And then um, we'll be able to see how cases change once those measures are lifted, if they are still Um, declining, then we can begin to lift more and more measures. And so I think in kind of this gradual and careful way, we'll be able to um, get back to some of our normal daily activities, but still control the spread of the disease. Here in Korea, we have been enjoying many of our normal daily activities, though, Mm -hmm. pretty much throughout the outbreak. There was a period of slightly intensified distancing, whereby, for example, my local gym closed down. But for the most part, it's been surprisingly open and it's only really schools i think schools has been uh, and churches and and some of the other areas that that have continued to affect people's lives but but working socializing 
eating out, drinking, all these things have, have remained possible. <laughs> How did your study reference examples in South Korea and also Singapore, for that matter, which has seen a, a sudden surge in cases recently? Right. Yeah, I think what... Um, I think what we saw these countries do very well is um, do very widespread testing to be able to identify cases early on and then be able to track the contacts of those different cases and follow up with them to see if they develop disease. And I think through this method of testing, isolating and tracing contacts, um, you're able to kind of, um, you know, nip the disease in the bud and um, stop it while it's early. But I think that that kind of, this kind of, um, Uh, strategy gets very difficult um, when you have a lot of different outbreaks, huge outbreaks across a wide geographic area. Um, So I think, um, you know, those types of approaches uh, work really well when they're implemented quickly and very effectively. Um, But I think as we see in Singapore, um, when we begin to lift measures and lift that vigilance, we do have to be very cautious of the disease resurging again. We dropped down to eight cases, eight new infections in Korea yesterday, four of which had come in from abroad. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. so close to zero now. I, I said at the start mm-hmm. of this week that I, I, mm-hmm. I could see us getting down to zero within this mm-hmm. week, and I included the weekend in that. So I've got a couple mm-hmm. more days to see if that comes to fruition. Uh, the, the thing is that um, if that is the case, if we do get down to zero, and if other countries can follow suit, is it possible that this coronavirus might uh, be chased down much earlier than, than we fear? In a, in a say, that's, that's similar really to SARS, amazing. for example. That's really quite amazing, I think. And that's, uh, you know, that's really a testament to having great public health on the ground. Um, and I think, you know, I think that we can be hopeful and optimistic that that's possible with, um, you know, now that we've done a lockdown like this, um, you know, many places across the world. And um, if we can get cases down to a low enough level, perhaps there is a way that we can, um, like we've seen in South Korea, we can eradicate that disease through this testing and tracing and isolating strategy. Um, But, you know, I think what makes it difficult in a world that's as interconnected as ours is exactly what you said earlier about Korea, that there is um, travel between many places within the U.S., all over the world, and that kind of interconnectedness makes us only as strong as the weakest link in terms of this tracing strategy. So if, for example, some places don't um, test, trace, and isolate as well, um, any cases that arise there could easily spread to other locations and spark outbreaks again. Christine Telejanto speaking to us from Harvard. Congratulations on your study and thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much.